welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Wonderful Jesus, we just thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to come, giving us access, Father. And Lord, that access doesn't come through our works, our behaviour, but Father, our right standing, which grants us access, our right standing before God comes only through grace, comes through the work, the finished and complete work of Jesus. When he said it was finished, I thank, I thank you, Father, that Jesus was thinking about me. He was thinking about this generation that are washed in the blood of the Lamb, that are clean, that are right, that are in right standing with God, that have access. And so, Father, right now we access the grace that you made available for us. And even right now in this moment, I thank you that a grace is rising in this room. A grace is rising in, in this place, Father. And Holy Spirit, we just want to give you permission to come and do what you want to do. Father, for those of us that have hard hearts, we just humble ourselves and we ask for you to just come and change us. Just just do what only you can do, Father. Sermon can't do it. Worship can't do it. All the mechanisms of church life, they can't do it. But Holy Spirit, you can do it. And so we just humble ourselves before you. I pray, Father, for the, there's uh, many needs here today. And we just ask that even as your word is preached, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would go and touch bodies. I pray that you would heal the sick, that you would lift off depression and oppression of people. I thank you, Father, right now that uh, where there's people abound, I just pray in the name of Jesus for deliverance right now. And Lord, we just thank you. We thank you you're in this place and we want to honour you in your presence. So come and just fall like rain. Fall like rain in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, you can wander in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter number three. We're going to read there for a moment. Today I want to talk to you about the mystery of destiny, the mystery of purpose and calling and vision. And um, I've got a lot of notes, but I promise I'll stop halfway through and we might pick it up another time. But I want to talk to you about, about destiny today. I want to talk to you about the idea that God's got a plan for your life. I want to talk to you about the idea that God has something really specific in mind for you that he created you for a reason. He created you for a purpose. That purpose was not about just warming a pew on a Sunday at church. That purpose goes way beyond what you do on a Sunday and has everything to do with, uh, with um, that purpose has everything to do with God's agenda for the earth at this time. And I want to let you know today that God has a plan for you thinking, who, me? 
I thought God's plans was just for like pastors or really spiritual people. Why don't I want to let you know that you're the same as those people that you think God has a plan for? Because those preachers and pastors and leaders and people that you think God is using so powerfully, if you just kind of looked behind to their real life, you'd realise that they're broken, flawed, normal people just like you. And their lives, anyone that you see God doing anything in their life, you must begin to acknowledge and see past the human side of what they're doing and realise that it is primarily an act and a product of God's grace. Whenever God is moving, God should be glorified. Whenever God is causing a man or a woman to rise, all glory should go to Jesus. At the end of the day, we are just stewards and vessels of what this miraculous work of the grace of God in our lives. We are participators, we are partakers of this divine nature that Christ made available for us. And so I want you to know today, um, see one of the, one of the things about, about the Western church is we've made the call of God. We've attached the call of God so strongly to what happens in Sunday church that it's hard for people to really work out what God's got for their life because they're always looking at it through the lens of what happens here on a Sunday. And so the first thing that I wanna smash right now is the idea that God wants to use every single one of you in this room. It's very quiet here. And I'm not saying that he doesn't want, I'm not trying to dis. Uh, I'm not trying to downplay this environment or this room. God wants to use you in this space. We have a church full of ministers, not members. We don't just attend. You know, the, you've drunk the Kool-Aid. It's all good. And so I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to downplay what happens here. But what I'm trying to get you to see is that your destiny is so vital and important to the agenda that God has for the earth at this time and that God wants to use you. So let's read uh, Philippians chapter three. We're gonna start at verse number 12. That's God, someone's, <laughs> someone's destiny is just getting sent by phone right now, praise God. <laughs> Not that I've already attained, this is, remember who this is speaking right now. This is the Apostle Paul. This is, I like the Apostle Paul because he was a long-winded preacher. Come on, somebody. Come on, just help me right now. He preached so, he preached longer than, like I've seen a few people fall asleep in church before. I take that as an amen to go on longer and longer in Jesus' name. He preached so long, some dude fell out of a window and died. Like, I'm not joking. This is in the Bible. This is a real story. This is not hyperbole. This is not exaggeration. He preached so long. So like that's encouraging for me too because sometimes I think about the Apostle Paul and I think the guys like, you know, eyeballs are growing back. People don't even need creative miracles. It's a three-eyed person. I don't know what's happening. He's a powerful man. And sometimes as a preacher, I think I need to have all these crazy things, but it's encouraging to read that even when Paul was preaching, someone fell asleep. They fell asleep so badly, they fell out of a window and they died. 
But the Apostle Paul, what a man. He was on assignment. He just walked down there. And I, I don't think it was even about raising the dead. I think it was more like a parental moment. Like, I am not done talking. <laughs> you will listen to every word I have to say. Look at me. Come on, bit of Kath and Kim. And so uh, <laughs> he raises this guy back to life. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. Paul, Paul, Paul. He has a wonderful, extremely important part an assignment in the early church to take the gospel to Rome. It is vital. He is an amazing, amazing man. He's the same man that has so much faith that when he gets shipwrecked, right? Number one, he gets shipwrecked. Number two, he has the discernment on a boat that's about to bust up and everyone's about to die. He has the sound of mind in that storm to be able to discern that, hey, this storm's here because of something connected to me. And so... Long story short, he gets um, stranded on an island and um, he starts making a fire, which is what you'd probably do. And a viper comes out of the fire and it bites him on the hand. And all the local, the indigenous people of that island are looking at Paul, wondering when he's going to die from this viper. But Paul, the Bible just literally says, he just shook it off. This is the pole. This is pole. Are you with me? This is the same pole that in Acts chapter 16 is in a prison in the darkest inner cell in stocks bound hand and feet. It is, it is darker than the night sky. There is no natural sunlight at all. And, and he's down there praising and worshipping and praying and seeing spiritual arms, psalms and arms probably. Um, but that, this is that, that Apostle Paul that after he's done praying, the whole prison shakes and he's set free. And listen to what this text says today. It's really important because if this is Paul, then this is us too. Let's look at this. Not that I have already attained. Don't you love that? Can you see God's grace in that? In other words, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be on a journey. Can I hear an amen? You don't have to be perfect. You can have struggles in your life but you just have to be on a journey. And that journey is not one of doing, 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 doing. That journey is one of transforming into the image of Jesus. That one is not signing up for this team and doing this and doing that. That journey that you're on, we're about to uh, find out about it. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected. Thank God for that, isn't, isn't it true? You do not have to be perfect. Have you looked around at things at times and just gone, oh, you probably do this every week when I'm up and I'm, that's fair enough, but how the heck is God using that person? <laughs> Don't laugh too much, all right. How on earth is that happening? And that's the whole point. It's not how on earth. It's got nothing to do with earth. It's got everything to do with Jesus and what he's, what he's planned and what he's destined. I'm not already perfected. But I press on that I'm, everybody say that, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also lay hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, 
As many as are mature have this mind. If anything, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. That I may, ele- that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. What is that that? that Paul is trying to lay hold of. It's the vision and the calling and the purpose for his life. That's what Christ laid hold of him. And you realise when you surrender all that you are to the work of God in your life for your generation, you realise that you start to walk in a partnership with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And you begin to realise that this partnership is that um, is walking out the purpose in partnership with God and what God wants to do. Let's have a look at Psalms 39. Because we too, as the Apostle Paul, we have a calling and we have a vision that God wants to accomplish in the same way. We must also lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of us. Let me just cancel a, an idea about destiny. Destiny does not just happen. Destiny does not just come about. Destiny doesn't, isn't just a thing that if God's destined you in some area, that you're just gonna magically appear there. No, there are laws and principles that God has put in place. Destiny doesn't just happen. God has a plan for you to get there. Psalms 139, 16 and 17, listen to this. It's talking about us today. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, everyone say your book, God has a book. God has a book. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to, uh, are your thoughts to me, O oh God. How great is the sum of them. And so God, the Bible's telling us that God has a book. Some preachers have called this book the book of destiny. God has this book and we get to participate in the story of God, the story of, um, of, of this lifetime. We get to participate with it. Even Jesus, who was, who was our example, had a book of destiny written about him. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. We're gonna read a few verses there very quickly from verse five. Therefore, when he came into this world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me right? But a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. But then I said, behold, I've come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. So what's written in this book about your life, this book of destiny? This is just really an acknowledgement that God has a destiny for each and every single one of you. 
God's destiny for your life is incredible. It's so incredible and it is so important that God himself has some sort of library up there, some sort of spiritual supernatural library where your days are numbered, where your days are written in this book of destiny. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9. I didn't um, send this to Michael, so I apologise. But it says this, who... Um, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. When was it given? It was given to us before time began. God has a plan. It was written before time had began, but now, but has now, verse number 10, been revealed by the appearance of our Saviour, Jesus. So when Jesus appeared, revelation happened that gave us the ability to understand and access this mystery of destiny, that God has a plan for your life. How is the purpose of God, let me ask you this question, how is the purpose of God revealed to you? There's probably a few answers to that question. It is a rhetorical one. Please no one shout out something random. It's happened before and it's all fun. But my point today is that God has a destiny for your life. Let's read another scripture, Ephesians 1.11. You know I'm loving the Bible, right? It says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That word predestined means that he set the limits before, before time, beforehand. So what, this is where I want to really just land today. What, what, is, what is our calling? What is our calling? What is our calling? So our calling is simply to understand the pathway that God has for us to take in life. And I hope you're listening today because really what the fruit of this message should be if it really touches our hearts together corporately is to a whole lot of fruitful activity for the kingdom. But if you're living without intent and without a plan, without, locked, without a life that's locked into purpose, and I want to say this because I believe that a part of the mandate on our church is to restore intergenerational ministry to the body of Christ. And so whether you're, we were praying for the children before, but whether you're in your 80s or 90s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you could have ticked over the big one zero getting a letter from the king or queen or whatever. Um, but the point is, is as, as people have said in the past, if there's breath in your lungs, God still has a purpose for your life. The purpose of God, man, he's got a plan for your life. And we in our church community are all about acknowledging the unique contribution that you can have, not according to our organisational structures, not according to, um, you know, not, not trying to, uh, well, really, yeah, really acknowledging the unique gifting that you have and the space that you have to contribute but friend, it's all about acknowledging that you have a purpose and you have a destiny. 
If you're not living with this in mind, I wanna say something very strong to you today. If you're not living with destiny and purpose in mind, I wanna ask you the simple question, what are you actually living for? Because you and I know that it is very easy to get so busy. I saw a t-shirt the other day that said, busy isn't working anymore. Because we're all busy, aren't we? Anyone you ask, how are you? Busy. (laughs) How you been? Busy. I'm so guilty of this, by the way. I'm just, I'm preaching to myself right now. What's happening? Oh, busy. You look tired. Yeah, I'm busy. (laughs) I was born with these bags, people. I came out of the womb and they were there. (laughs) When we understand purpose and destiny and we start living by it, or not even living by it, we start living with it in mind. It affects the way that we live. It changes how we go to work. It changes the words we choose to say to our children or our families or our spouse. It changes how we treat that person in the Macca's drive-through on the way home. That we go through the drive-through because we don't want to have to stop. And they say, can you go to that parking bay? And everything in you, if you're not living in purpose and destiny, wants to curse them like Jesus did the fig tree. (laughs) But you choose to bless and not curse in Jesus' name. So here's two questions I want you to write down really quickly. I want you to write this first question down. What am I living for? What am I living for? What am I living for? The second question that I want you to write down is what am I living from? What am I living for? What am I living from? There are so many wonderful, uh, I suppose, pictures and stories we can use of that. I suppose a a really easy one around what are we living for and what's connected and and what, uh, when we're living for something, it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes how we go about our lives, changes who we choose to hang out with. Parents, you know this well, as soon as you have a kid, number one, you can't remember what your life was like without a kid. But your life changes trajectory and you start living for another generation, not just yourself. Not only when you have kids, but obviously this applies to so many different areas. It's a, it's a shift in mentality. When purpose shifts, when you start really wrestling with that question, what am I living for? Your whole life starts to adjust. If you've ever had a goal, maybe a financial one, I wanna get in the housing market, and you have a goal, I've got to save X amount of money for a deposit. All of a sudden, your life, you start living on purpose. You start, the reason why you've stopped abusing the Macca's drive through person is because you've made a decision that you can't afford to go there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why? Because you're living on purpose. You're living on purpose. What are you living for? 
There are so many wonderful natural things that you and I can live for. And I think one of the, one of the um, challenges that we have in the Western church, in the West full stop, is that what the God that we're actually living for is the God of comfort. There's nothing wrong with comfort. There's nothing wrong with houses and investments and cars and all those sorts of things. Nothing wrong with those, those at all. You've heard me talk about it. Like if you've got a Bentley, let's go for a spin later on. It's all good. God bless you. But purpose, when you live on purpose, it changes the decisions that you're making with your life. You realise that in every single environment, every single environment, when you have a calling, it's like, for example, with my personal calling, to be honest with you, the calling never switches off. My wife can attest to this. There's always, like, I'm not praying, I don't pray because that's my job. And I'm on the clock now, so I'm gonna start praying. We were driving home from Elkana yesterday, kids were sleeping in the, in the back. And I was just, you know, well, everyone was sleeping actually. It was quite great. Um, I wasn't, I was driving. Um, I was on purpose, so I made the decision. I was getting a bit tired at one point in time, so I did put my head out the window. I felt like a dog. Um, I'm in a real random mood, it's great. Um, but the, I, I was, I, you know, we just had some amazing moments with our staff and worship and people are prophesying and the power of God's moving and it was incredible. I'm on my way home, speaking in the spirit pretty much most of the way home. I'm not saying that because I'm amazing. I'm saying that because you don't, when you live on purpose, it's not on or off. Because you start to say, what am I living for? And when you lay hold of that thing which Christ Jesus laid a hold of you, see, that's the issue, right? You haven't surrendered. We're going deep now. We're going right to your heart. I want, it, I want the Holy Spirit to convict you today. I really do want him, I want him to move in you today because this is so important. This isn't the deepest message I've ever preached, but it may be one of the most important messages because some of you, you haven't completely surrendered your will to him. So you love Jesus as saviour, but because you haven't surrendered, he's not Lord. <laughs> a little laugh at the end to make it less tense. But he's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for your life and I'm urging you, I'm urging you, I'm urging you like the Apostle Paul did in Romans chapter 12. I urge you, brethren, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is just a part of your normal worship. What's he saying? He's saying, surrender all that you are that, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. And the issue here is a surrendered heart. And God is calling you and I into a deeper place of surrender. So what are you living for? And my prayer today, because listen, I don't do the convicting work, the Holy Spirit does that. But my prayer today is that throughout this week, you would start having a conversation with the Holy Spirit and you would start asking that question, what, what am I living for? So you can have a purpose to make money and finance the kingdom, right? And uh, have 
worldly influence and have a career and do all those sorts of things. But at the base level, that's all good. That's the surface stuff. But beneath that, beneath the fame, beneath the accolades of man, beneath the stuff, beneath all those things that God might want to put into your life, that's all good. But beneath that is a question that is needs to be answered, which is what am I living for? And my prayer is that in all that you do, you would live with eternity in mind. That you would not treasure up, you would not store up treasures where rust and moth can just come and take it all that you're not going to take to heaven, but you start living with eternity in mind. You start living, realising that even though your career is going like this, fantastic, that is amazing. We're praying that that would continue to happen, but you would really lock into what's happening underneath that, that God's doing this for a reason. God's opening this door for a reason. God's closing this door for a reason. And I'm sensing purpose and destiny in this moment I'm living in. So what am I living for? What am I living for? What am I living from? We might talk, talk about that later. And so the purpose of our calling and destiny, number one, is to bring sinners, bring those that don't know God to God. Luke chapter 19. So it doesn't matter what you do. You run a gym, you're an accountant, you run an ice cream shop. That'd be awesome. You um, um, are retired. Um, you're a, you're a, a, a parent, a young mum slash dad at home with a young kid, you're uh, currently out of work, you're, I'm trying to name all the things, right? It doesn't matter who you are and what you've got going on in your life because life goes in seasons, right? So for example, some of you know my personal journey where we stepped out of a church that we were a part of, that we love so dearly to, to then pioneer what we, what we felt God putting in our heart. But there was a season where we weren't really doing anything. But did that cancel my purpose in that season? No. My purpose just looked different in that moment. Did my calling change? No. Trust me. It didn't change just because what was happening out there changed. And so in maturity, Paul, if, if we, coming back to Paul's life, if we were to look at Paul's life and measure like the guys in prison, the guys in shipwrecks, the guys got a whole lot of highs and lows, it would be perceived. Is he any less cold in what we perceived as the lows than the highs? No. The calling and the purpose is the same. And so it requires maturity and discernment for us to understand that life has seasons. That's okay. We're not talking actually, what I'm talking more about today is this idea of being rather than doing. So where calling starts in the, in the empire church is around do, 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 and that's where you get identity from. But what Jesus spoke about and what the New Testament church modelled is an inward transformation, is a heart change. So destiny and purpose, when we're talking about it, of course there's works attached to it, but it comes from this place of being. It comes from this place of identity. And so I want to talk to you really quickly about four important truths regarding our calling. Ready? I'm just going to go through them and then we're going to close. Calv, would you mind playing keys for us? Thanks, mate. 
Number one, firstly, our calling, get this in your spirit, okay? It's bigger than you think. Our calling, write that down, it's bigger than you think. Ephesians 3.20 says that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. We also read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared. So He's prepared them, right? Things that God has prepared for those that love Him. Then it goes on to say, because we love quoting that, but then it goes on to say, it's been revealed through Jesus, right? And so... God has prepared a plan that's bigger than we think. My prayer today that no matter what you are doing is that you, no matter what situation you find yourself in life right now, my prayer is that you live with an expectation in your heart that God could cause you to rise at any moment. My prayer for you today, I remember as a young man, still am young, in Jesus' name. I remember as a young man reading of stories of revivals in Argentina where a six and a nine-year-old got together and started a radio station and revival broke out through the radio station. Just kids. As a 16 and 17-year-old kid in my school, we, I saw a revival break out. We'd have classrooms full. We'd pr have prayer meetings. I learned, to, I learned to preach standing up on a desk in room 40 of my school. Hopefully I'm a bit better now. I think probably, maybe. But your destiny, your calling, it's big and God's not done. Don't let the world, don't let life shut down your dream. The best is ahead. It's not just a cliche that's just been watered down through just like American TV evangelists. God has a plan for your life. Listen to me, This I'm, I'm talking to the church right now. I'm talking to followers of Jesus right now. This isn't leading to a salvation altar call. This is leading to you getting a revelation that God has a plan for you. His purpose, His destiny is extraordinary for your life. This is why you and I have got to lean in to the power of the Holy Spirit because without His power, we can do a few good humanistic things. But when we partner with the Holy Ghost, some Something powerful begins to take over. Something powerful. And I want to prophesy over someone right now that wants to receive the Word of the Lord that God can cause you to rise in just one moment. God can cause you to rise. See, listen, 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 listen. Right now, the Western church is in a complicated place. We are trying to change the world through humanistic ways. In our own state, we have sat under government, I'm just saying it, that has been very leaning away from the foundational truths of God's Word. This is not a political statement about vote this, or what, this way or that way. But I wanna say this, the solution the solution, the solution may not be to get good Christian people in politics. 
that may not be the solution. Good, pe- good Christian people in politics is important. I'm not saying it's not. If that's your calling, you go for it. But you live by kingdom standards, not worldly standards. You refuse to compromise. I have a feeling that what's going to happen, I have a feeling of what's going to happen is that God is going to cause an influence to come on people in our in our nation, in our city, that's going to have rise, the, the church of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia, there is going to be a rising of a grace within the church that is going to emerge as a significant voice like it once did. The, the church has become irrelevant to the world, but I want to prophesy that that is turning right now in the name of Jesus. The call is bigger. You're sitting in this seat thinking that's for someone else. But God can do that through a five-year-old, six-year-old, 10-year-old, 20-year-old, 40-year-old, 90-year-old. God can raise someone up on their deathbed and use them. I feel the Holy Spirit. Secondly, our calling. I think about it. Your call first, number one, your calling is bigger than you think. So stop limiting God by your thinking. This is an important part of this journey. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we've got to change the mind. It's this mind when it's unrenewed that limits what God can do. And so I'm praying today and I feel it in the spirit realm that there's a shift, there's an opening of possibilities in this room right now. An opening of possibilities. And my prayer is that you wouldn't be praying for millions and you wouldn't be praying for this and you wouldn't be praying for that stuff. My prayer is that you'd be praying, Holy Spirit, what is the key? Open my eyes to see what you have for me. Number two, second, our calling, it'll bring satisfaction and joy. John 4 verse 34 says, My food, that which brings me satisfaction, the Amplified says, my food, that which brings me satisfaction is to do the will of Him who sent me. Jesus said this when He was with the woman at the well. He received such fulfilment for sharing the Gospel with her that He didn't even want to eat the food that the disciples bought him. Remember? Excuse me, no, we're not hungry. I'm not hungry, it's all good. Why? Because the call, the will of God, it's not all pain and sacrifice. There's joy. Some people say, oh, you're doing too much, you're doing this or that. Well, the Holy Spirit, number one, will be the judge of that. I thank you for your input though. <laughs> But we live, uh, we live out of, uh, I need rest. I'm for rest. We're going to do a sermon on rest in the next few weeks because it's a part of stewardship. Right? We need rest. Super important. But I find the will of God so joyful. Doesn't mean it's not hard. But I just find it satisfying. It's like spiritual food for me. Philippians 2.13 says, God works in us to will and to do of His good, of His good pleasure. Psalms 92 verse 4 says, You, O Lord, have made me glad through Your work. 
It's doing the work of God. It's a heavy obligation, but it comes with a lot of joy too. Number three, our calling is given by grace. You've heard me talk about this already a little bit before. We've read 2 Timothy 1.9, but that's really the Scripture there. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. Fourthly, the last point, once you've written this down, you can stand to your feet. It says, for He will, uh, f- sorry, fourthly, about our calling, things about our calling, is that we're going to be held accountable for our calling. Romans 14, 10, and verse 12, 2 Corinthians 5.10 talks about how we're going to be, we're going to stand before God. And it's my prayer that we would get out of the rat race of living week to week. And we would start really leaning into the Holy Spirit. God, what have you got for my life? Would you speak to me? Would you use me? You know, one of the most dangerous prayers that you can pray is God, use me. I surrender. Use me. I surrender, use me. I surrender, use me. Use me, use me. Come on, let's stand. Come on, just close your eyes for a moment. Let the Holy Spirit just speak to you. Wonderful, Jesus. We're going to be done in three minutes. But come on, can you just have a moment with God at the end of this service? Our prayer team are going to come. They're going to stand up the front. If anyone wants prayer, you can receive prayer. We'd love to stand with you, believe God with you. There's people here today, the Holy Spirit showing me that you're disillusioned about your destiny. And God wants to give you clarity today. There's people here today that you've been disappointed when it comes to your destiny. Hasn't gone the way that you thought and because of your disappointment that's put hardness in your heart. And the Lord's just saying, just just come to me again. I'm open. And there are people here today that you've forgotten how great the destiny is that's on your life. And God's saying, "I I want to revive that again. I want to open your eyes. There are also people here today that you're just saying, God, would you use me? And if you fall into any of those categories, it's probably everyone, would you lift your hands across this auditorium just in this holy moment? And I serve.